rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Oh my God, it's been too long, hasn't it? It feels like forever. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. This is Tara Buster. I know, it could be worse. All right, that's what I tell myself. All right, what do we do? We meet here on Saturday evenings. We have a set time at at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels right here. And we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Give the show a good review on iTunes and keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it. Also, what else? We're going to be on Rockfin very soon. I'm happy to say it's happening as soon as I have enough time. <laughs> and God damn it, can sleep. Uh, what else? We're on FYI Nation. We're on Verdant Square Radio. All the, those stations are another uh, two, two more great independent liberal stations. So check out their original programming, including me, Tara Buster, this show, whatever. I mean, you hear a buzz. Ed's, I saw Ed in the chat room, and he's like, strange buzz. That's my air conditioning. It's snowing. There's a blizzard outside, but it's a sauna in my goddamn apartment. I might have to turn it off. I don't know. We're not supposed to turn the AC on when it's like that. That's what they tell us. They being, I guess, the management. But I don't know. What am I going to do? Sit here and sweat my ass off? I have no idea. So, uh, what else? We do have solar panels. That's what I all I can say. So, that's good, at least. We're getting our electricity from the solars. From the suns. So, that's good. Um, I do feel very nervous about the community can't outside because of the blizzard that's happening right now. And I worry about them. That's all I can say. We put down some winter shelters for them and I, I still worry about them. It's going to be like two feet to telling me not the cats. The cats aren't telling me shit, but I'm talking about the powers that be. We didn't have any snowstorms at all last year here in New York, and I was hoping for a repeat performance, but for the cat's sake, for the poor little community cats, I guess they're they're fine, right? I, I worry for them, but they're fine, right? They don't worry like this. And then I think about little Ray, who we adopted from the outside world, and his mom's out there. I see his mom. So... Ray's laying in his nice warm bed. I guess, you know, save one, save the world. All right, guys, I'm really happy uh, to be here. I I need this for my mental health. You guys know it's the truth. We stick together, we win. And um, I was getting into a really pissy mood. And, yeah, Ed the first says, they have warm fur coats, but they still need shelter. Yeah, that's the thing that people think about the cats. One of the guys that I I can't tell you where these cats live to tell you I that's it's not good. I can't say where they live because people 
someone might be listening who's a waste of human DNA and thinks that, oh, good, I can dump my animals there, and it happens. So the one of the people that works in the vicinity of where the community cats live, and the community cats are everywhere, you know that, um, he said, there's one cat that they all know of and that lives in a certain area. They all have their spots, you know. And he said, oh, she's fine. She lives under the bush. Okay, you live under a bush in a effing blizzard. Get back to me with your coat on. I don't know. I don't know where they go. When it, we did, we put some shelters down, like I said, but I hope, uh, hope it's enough. All right, guys, what are you going to do? You can't worry, you can't, you can't worry about everything. Sometimes you just got to keep going. We have enough to worry about. Thank you, Jim, for your super chat right out of the gate. I appreciate it. And this is what's going to keep us going. We need to keep going and we need to keep growing because guess what, guys? Yeah, I feel better that, I'm sure you feel better as well, that Twitler is on his way out. Um, we still, uh, it's iffy. What Whether we've completely dodged the bullet of authoritarianism. My fear, along with the fear of more learned people than me, is that if we don't fix what what is broken, the next con man, the next grifter, the next GOP fascist that gets in office, it could be Ivanka. Yeah, it could be Donald Trump effing Jr. But the, that next waste of human DNA will put the nail in the coffin of fascism, I mean, of the grand experiment once and for all. This is not a drill. It's happening. It's called... Well, I was just listening to Martha... What's her name? Martha Gessen? Uh, not her. They. I'm, excuse me. I apologize. I, I'm such... Oh, whatever. You try. You try. Uh, they are non-binary. It's tough. Even, the, even for me, trying to remember. You know what I mean? I do try to... Of course, I, I could tell you stories of how many times I've offended people. Someone who's trying, you know, to be uh, to be considerate. So, whatever. I guess they're used to it. So, Mar Marsh Martha Gesson? What's her name? I mean, see, there I go again. Oh, I need to shut up. <laughs> What's their name? See, what's saying what's their name makes me feel like I'm being dismissive. Well, what's, what's the name of... Uh, okay. Um, no, maybe it's the wrong name. I don't know. Whatever. They wrote a book called Surviving Authoritarianism. Surviving... Let me look this up. Authoritarianism. And... Where the heck is it? Book. And I was just listening to... Yeah, Masha. Masha. Masha Gesson. And they were saying that there's the... There's, there's stages to authoritarianism. And we're in the second stage. The authoritarian challenge, I believe. Um, but... 
we really did dodge a bullet electing Joe Biden. But it's not over. That doesn't mean we're done. We're far from it. We might actually be in even more danger, although uh, in a different fashion. Let me explain. We would truly, if Twitter won, quote-unquote, despite receiving fewer votes this, uh, this election, there would be no doubt, there is, there is no doubt that Twitter would shore up his power indefinitely. And that's part of the whole authoritarian takeover. You see how he has so many willing co-conspirators. That's all you need. N- imagine, and, and I'm not just talking about the Republicans in Congress. Yeah, he's got them, but he also has the media. Even the so-called liberal media. They enabled him. When did it, how long did it take for the so-called normal liberal media, not, I mean, whatever, is there a liberal media? This is the liberal media. The corporate media, how long did it take for corporate media to start calling the lies what they are? Lies. He's a liar. This is one of the things that drives me up a friggin' wall. It's, that is called enabling. It's like when you're in a dysfunctional family. We've made this, um, this, uh, correlation before. Or made this, I don't know, what's the word? I I can't, I can't think of words, um, about being in a dysfunctional family. Because in order to have a dysfunctional family, so as, as somebody in recovery, you know, as when I was an active addict, I was the identified patient, quote unquote, of the family. So, but, but, but the whole family was sick. Some in the family were um, enablers. Some were in denial. You know, nobody wants to see or talk about the, um, the elephant in the living room, so to speak. So whenever the corporate media pontificates about Twitter. He'll so Twitter will tweet something, for example. Um and then for the rest of the day, regardless of whether it's true or false or or any I mean, it's not true. Let's what am I saying? Regardless of whether it's true. It's ninety nine point nine percent a lie. That's the chances of Twitter telling a lie. It's pretty your your money's on lie. You got a solid bet. But they will discuss it for the rest of the day as if it is sincere. Like, for example, when he went on in the initial um, stages of this pandemic, when he was, oh, it's one case and it's going to disappear like a miracle. and, And all day corporate media would discuss well, does he mean? Oh, and what about Pence? And what about this one? And what about that one? What do they think? Is he true? Is it that? Let's get a doctor in here. Let's get this one in here. Let's get this Republican on the phone. Let's have, you know, that's being in denial. And it's also enabling the, the freak show, the decline and fall of the American Republic. 
to pretend that this monster is sincere. That it's never, that, it, that, it, that it's never um, always been. Well, how is that? Am I saying that correctly now? That as if it's never, wait, 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 how do you put it? As if it's not a, a con. The entire thing is a con. Him, him sending so-called, um, you know, the whole birther thing, him sending um, so-called detectives to um, to Hawaii to dig up Barack Obama's birth certificate, that never happened. We know that. So he never sent anybody. It was all a lie. But yet the corporate media would and interviewed him about it and and discussed it as if it was true. So that's just one case before he became the so-called president, despite receiving fewer votes. But this is what we've been enduring throughout the last four years. A, a, a massive, coordinated, not even coordinated, it's not coordinated, but it's a massive case of gaslighting the entire country. That's why this country is sick. So you have some of our so-called fellow Americans, and they're not. They're not, whatever. They're not patriots. They're not, they hate America. You know, we got the receipts there, too. But they um, believe him because clearly they're not that smart. So corporate media doesn't, um, is part of the problem. It doesn't do us any favors. In fact, it's really... Uh, you know, complicit. Compl that's why this show and shows like it, we we have to get the word out, okay? And thank you for your support. For example, now, here, this, uh, today, watching Pete Buttigieg, if that's one person that I could do without for the rest of my life, it would be Pete Buttigieg, okay? You guys know. Not a, I, I don't really, uh, he's annoying to me, okay? I am gay, so is he, whatever, who cares? Great. He's got, uh, he's gay. In fact, I don't know. He's, he's, he's annoying. He's bothering me, all right? Um, he, to me, represents, uh, white privilege, straight white, well, he's not straight, um, white male privilege, and, um, 38 years old thinking you can be the goddamn president are you kidding me yes the founding fathers put the the cutoff well what was it it's 35 you have to be is it 34 or 35 to be the president at a time when you know the life expectancy wasn't as as uh certain no well not that it is now the life expectancy in the united states is going down so maybe Maybe they were, they have, a, they have a point, but somebody, I have to tell you, well, you guys know if you're older, I'm not, uh, I'm not a spring chicken here, but you, when you're younger, you don't even know what you don't know. You know what I mean? And for somebody to think that I'm, I can go from being the mayor of South Bend, Indy, freaking Anna, get the F out of here to the presidency. Come on, you gotta be something, something is something there, all right? There's something that annoys me. And 
um, he's just one of these fake-ass Democrats to me. You know, the wine cave type that got us to this this boat. Yes, Malcolm Mar- Marzo on the chat. Life expectancy in 1900 was 48 years old. So there you go. So 35, okay. Yeah, that seems reasonable. That, that You're talking about somebody who's like in their 60s relatively at that point. So um, transportation secretary for Pete Buttigieg. It's what what is his qualifications for being transportation secretary? Okay, we got bigger fish to fry. My you know how I feel about Pete Buttigieg. He is part of the problem. You get it because he's he is what makes me think that in 4 years or maybe even sooner, who knows? I mean when if if we are stupid enough or foolish enough to allow another Republican anywhere near the halls of power, in the executive branch at least, um, he will be a reason. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is the, very, is the type of Democrat that is part of the problem, in my opinion. Uh, prove me wrong somebody prove me wrong what does he bring to the table does he have any new ideas for somebody who's so young his ideas are are as old and stale as the people that um that once i mean during the campaign ironically enough those who supported him were old old people so that says enough Right there. Yes, and he he helped screw Bernie's campaign for Obama, says Andrea on the chat. I mean, he just... Exactly. Exactly. He's got no... I, he's somebody... You know what annoys me about him, too? When... Well, f- first of all, during the campaign, he's um, somebody that has no principles who will change according to... How, whatever his political advantage might be. He was for Medicare for all at one point. Then all of a sudden, he was he changed to Medicare for those who want it. Fuck you. While he's getting funded by the for-profit health insurance racket, which is the most disgusting, needless racket in American history that kills our fellow Americans and how, how that a, a racket that needs to be destroyed completely. And his, his excuse was no offense. Okay. But that people who, um, if we destroy the for, for profit health insurance racket, then that'll put people out of a job. All right. What? This is where you're... That's the hill you're going to die on? The for-profit health insurance rack? That's why the Medi- Bernie's Medicare for All bill includes a, a bunch of money to retrain people, to get people jobs. There's no reason that anybody should be working for a disgusting, rapacious, blood-soaked, greed-centered racket that does nothing but kill and bankrupt our fellow Americans. 
whether somebody gets healthy or not is incidental. It doesn't heal anybody. It doesn't give anybody a, an aspirin. It doesn't do anything to, to, to salve anyone's recovery. Because while you're recovering, you're, um, you got insurance racketeers up your ass harassing you so no other goddamn we would not we would not tolerate the kill the the death and bankruptcy the needless death Thir- 35,000 needless deaths every year and and now they're saying a quarter of no i mean half a million bankruptcies but before the aca it was a million over a million bankruptcies a year in the f- something uniquely American called American medical bankruptcy. I mean, what kind of sick goddamn racket is that? Oh, because somebody might lose their job in this racket? I, fi- I feel bad for you, but th- we'll find you another job. In fact, you'll be better off. Because who the hell wants to get on the phone and tell somebody that, oh, I'm sorry, you're not getting your cancer treatment. You've been denied. I mean, get get real. It's enough. How much longer are we going to take it? I got to ask. We're right out of the gate. We're not even a half hour in, and I'm asking how much longer. That's who Pete Buttigieg is. He's a dangerous... He's dangerous, because he, he is um, some... See, these, these corporate Democrats are like the... Um, they, they, they're like... Um, double agents or something where that what is what is the agenda here is it to uh advance your own career in fact i don't know i can't say i don't know what's in his heart but i i just have this feeling this is just me talking i have no proof whatever it's his whole military career was just a, a box that he ticked off that's what it seems like to me Okay, because he knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to be in politics. He he thought it would look better. So he he signed up. That's what it seems like to me. Okay, everybody has many different reasons why they join the military, but um, he seems more like somebody who, who's got um, his own agenda. Yeah. Anyway. And that agenda is himself making his, advancing his career. And I couldn't, I mean, listening to him today, I was just like, ugh, this is somebody I'm going to have to endure for the rest of my life. That's the feeling I get when I listen to him. He's, he's a phony. He seems phony to me. So why, why does somebody who's so young, he's a millennial, he was touting himself as a millennial. Okay, you're a millennial. Um, why are so many old people... When you were running for the presidency, how dare you? I mean, because that's how... You got big balls, buddy. I give you that. You got a, an overinflated sense of yourself. That's for sure. But um, why were all the old people in your campaign he that's that was his demographic and he also uh 
there's another story I remember. Oh, he had a big problem with um, people with darker pigment. And for, I mean, I guess, I don't know. He mishandled. I mean, he was a freaking mayor. What What is his experience? Please. Oh, my God. I, could you imagine that the other thing that annoyed me about him is that if it were if he were somebody if he was a woman if he were someone with darker pigment they would would he even be a contender in the democratic primary you know getting as close to were uh, as close as he did winning or not even winning i mean the balls on him Remember when he he didn't even win, and then he announced he. I am. Mean, it's all coming back to me. I'm sorry, but during the campaign, another thing. I'm not going to go on about it because really, there's other things we want to talk about. But he made up. Let me see. I'm looking this up. It just came to me. Uh, Buttigieg. Um, he went to a diner. Or his campaign staff went to a diner owned by a woman, an African-American woman, Buttigieg Diner. And then his campaign no, um, put on their tally of supporters, the woman who runs this, uh, who ran this, or still runs, I'm sure she still does, <laughs> ran the diner that they happened to have lunch at. So they ate lunch at this woman's diner, and then the the press followed up saying, you know, we got this list of supporters, and we're just checking, following up. And she was like, no, I don't support him. I uh, They had lunch here. Okay, I served his campaign staff some, uh, some lunch. I mean, that's kind of balls, right? You got balls, baby. He touted support. Yeah, that's what it was. Let's see. Touted support. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. It's all coming back to me. When, what did he, he went to Charlemagne. And what did they, oh, he he said something very embarrassing. Let's see. I think the biggest lesson about the last 50 years when it comes to racial inequality among the well-intended is that you just can't take out racist policy and replace it with neutral one and expect everything to get better on its own. We've got to deal with these healthy equity gaps like the fact that a black woman is three times as likely to die related in childbirth as a white woman. Okay, okay. Didn't he say something like, you people, or... I don't know, I can't remember. One of the things I think is really important for Democratic officials is to understand, like, now a lot of, a lot of black folks have gotten the feeling that Democrats running for president take black folks for granted. What's with this black folks? What's with folks? I guess, because he, he's trying... That's the other thing. He was trying to be like Obama without the the charm and intelligence 
And that was another thing that he ripped off, too, from Obama, where um, he was like, he, he told that story about them holding up their cell phones. First, we light up a gym next we light up the world but that's that this was something directly ripped off from obama oh my god it's so tedious people all of them this guy really come on you notice how somebody like him is elevated while somebody who's got sincerity who really wants to serve and understands the problems, that truly understands what's wrong with this kiss-up, kick-down, I-got-mine-sucks-to-be-you racist-ass nation. They, they get vilified. They get marginalized. And this is what I'm concerned about in the Democratic Party. And I warned everybody, you guys knew it. You didn't have to, you didn't need me to warn you but anybody who who's got a modicum of awareness understands that you know the uh some of the 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 corporate types the fake ass you know sidelined liberals not liberals i mean they're fake liberals who will go back to brunch but the rest of us our work is really cut out for us. I mean, because the whole apparatus, the same apparatus that elevated Twitler to the presidency, they elevate the likes of Pete Buttigieg. He's safe. You know, now because it's safer to be um, a gay person, you know, doesn't the, the hate doesn't get as much bang for its buck anymore. So, well, that's another, I mean, people, everybody has their process, but let's remember another thing that he, he annoys me about is that he touts himself running as a gay dude in, uh, South, in Mike Pence's Indiana. Well, the fact is he didn't run as a gay dude in Mike Pence's Indiana. He ran in the closet. So he only came out of the closet when it was already, you know, he he was already elected or something. I don't know. He he didn't run as a gay dude. So I guess it's, you get more, um, it's a more convenient narrative. Which also, I mean, if that's how he ran, that's another story he could tell. Why wouldn't you just be yourself? I was in the closet. Don't tell me now. Oh, now you ran as an openly gay man? No, you didn't. So if that's the case, I'm not... Hey, you could tell that story too and help people. Not by... As if, you know, coming out like you're so... You were so brave and cutting edge when you weren't. I'm trying to focus this goddamn camera. In fact, it's probably better... When is out of focus? Look at this shit. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, whatever. I was I did not mean to talk about Pete Buttigieg as much. I don't care though. Fuck him. He's annoying. <laughs> Malcolm says lots of Nazis were gay. <laughs> lots of humans are gay. 
Don't put the gays on the... I mean, don't put the Nazis on the gays here. I mean, come on. Yes, he... Oh, right, right, right. He claimed he was getting funded by... Oh, yes, that's another thing. It's all coming back to me. Andrea on the chat. He claimed that he was getting funded by small donations, but he... He... He was... A, he's such a fraud. He had a contest for the small the the smallest donation contest cuz we're all a bunch of morons you see and it doesn't matter what's true the smallest donation so when all of his corporate money comes in and then somebody what what can you donate one fraction of 1 per, 1 cent so that kind of balances it out. Then you could go out and say, my average donation is $27, just like you. Because you had the contest for the smallest donation? Fuck you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to curse. The smallest donation contest. What kind of shit is that? Really? Talk about um, being just so disingenuous let me, let me look this up smallest donation and so condescending so now we gotta endure this effort for the rest of our lives we gotta get him out of the way I mean you know legally and peace not get him out of the way like, we gotta put him on the sidelines where he belongs. But, of course, he won't. He's being uh, propelled. Buttigieg's campaign introduces contests for lowest donation. Oh, my God. You, I want to vomit. In an email to supporters on Tuesday evening, Buttigieg's campaign wrote that the donor who contributes the lowest amount in the hours ahead... Why would you do that? Unless... You're trying to balance out all that nice corporate cash you're getting in the wine cave. So you can look like a man of the people. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. We'll win a prize. What's the prize? The end of the grand experiment? I don't know. All you have to do is donate the smallest amount that nobody else donates. Uh, what? Let me see. Huh. I'm going to go for a pen. A penny. I will make it a half a penny. How about that? Can you even donate a quarter of a penny? Oh, my God. Multiple donations are allowed. Just be creative and pick a unique donation amount. You son of a bitch. Who came up with that idea? They need to be fired. Well, it's too late now. Some Twitter users pointed out that the effect of the contest would be to lower the South Bend, Indiana mayor's average donation amount. Well, you think? Some pointed it out. This is where we get into the bullshit zone and the enabling zone. In this corporate media, you know, whole landscape that we're living in. Oh, yes. Do you think it's a sincere contest for the sm smallest donation? Or, hmm, I wonder, could it be because 
He's taken a lot of buku bucks from the big moneyed interests that have their boot on our necks, and he wants to seem like a, a man of the people. You know, he doesn't want to stop taking all that buku cash because it's working out for him. But he can't go to how many times are you gonna go to the well with people over sixty-five? You know, with twelve people over sixty-five that are your core base of supporters. How about we get money out of politics? Okay, there's there's an idea. Unreal. Other candidates, including Senator Bernie Sanders, have frequently touted their low average donations. Well, they also have the right to tout that they don't take any corporate money. The Pete for America innovation team out there is working hard on Christmas Eve to come up with gimmicks to lower the average donation amount, wrote Ted Tagaris, a senior advisor to the Sanders campaign. This is so transparently hilarious. It really is. But then the corporate media is like, well, geez, it's some have said it might be a ruse to lower, to give the appearance that he has lower donations, right? Some say that. Others say, no, it's not. It's just a contest to get what? The contest for, to... Keep the corporate boot on your neck. That's the prize. Oh, my God. All right. Let me get off this before. Oh, my God. Buttigieg's small donor contest. Seems like a... Where's this? Cynical ploy to lower donation amount. The only reason to do this is to rig the stats. These are... Yeah, but some say... Some say it's only to rig stats. Others say it's, uh, what? What do others say? You're really going to get ahead with the smallest donation. All right, I want to... Which brings me to another annoying thing about Democrats. Okay? Which is not just the fact that Joe Biden, he needs to do something about his cough. All right, it doesn't look good. But whatever. Just get in there. Last, please, survive until Inauguration Day. All right? If I... I I don't know. I guess it's because he's talking a lot. I get it. I get a raspy voice sometimes. But he doesn't sound good. Anyway. Thank you, Alex E., for your super chat. Where else? Who else is here? Yes. If you're on any other channel, come on over to youtube.com slash C for channel slash RDT Daily Media and join the chat room. All right. I want to... Here's what's really getting on my nerves besides everything else. And another reason why we're in big trouble in this country. Biden is eyeing um, Republicans to join his cabinet. Of course he is. Because nobody does does more to rehab this greed-centered death cult that has a con man as a standard bearer, the one who is practicing and following the authoritarian playbook to overturn a legal election 
and will not go quietly into that good night. Fuck the peaceful transfer of power. He's, um, it's really happening. And he's got an entire party of co-conspirators up to and including Mitt Romney. You know, Mitt Romney, they, all of these, these effing Republicans, Mitch McConnell finally congratulated Joe Biden for, for winning. But um, funny enough, it, it took Putin to do it first. He had to wait for Putin. Now, I don't know if that's a coincidence, but he also had to say during his speech that the Electoral College has spoken, not the people. You know, here's a freaking fascist following the authoritarian playbook, helping the con man destroy democracy, and by by stuffing the courts with unqualified fascist flunkies. So they keep saying, corporate media keeps gaslighting us, saying how, well, the system held even Trump appointees didn't go along with the coup. This time, right now, but it's not over. Once you cross those lines, there's no going back. And here we go again with Republicans. Remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but it's this is what we experienced in 20-whatever, when Obama took the oath. When he was elected in two landslide elections, well, the first landslide election, when he was being inaugurated, the Republicans were conspiring to stop him from doing anything, meaning stop the pain. I mean, what, because uh, well, let's, let's remember, when Obama took office, the United States was hemorrhaging 750,000 jobs a month. That's what Republicans do. We were on the verge of another Republican Great Depression in a hundred years. And, of course, that's what they do whenever they get their greedy, disgusting fingers around the neck of power. This is what they do. So instead of, you know, helping the American people, they got together to figure out ways to F us over yet again. And what did Obama do? Oh, the fever will break. It will take time. Don't worry. They'll come to. He um, was going to be a team of rivals. Remember that? He was talking about um, Lincoln's team of rivals. How did that work out with your team of rivals, Lincoln? Did that really bring these Republican, these conservatives at the time, conservatives? Because Lincoln was the first Republican president when the Republican Party was a progressive party. It was the progressive antidote to the entrenched Democratic Party of its day. Okay, so it was a different party. But how did that work out? And, and, and we were a divided nation at that time. And I contend, so do millions of other people that know more than I do, our problem in this country is we have never, ever put the Southern goddamn traitors in their place. We've always had 
to concede and reach out and give um br- welcome back into the family the traitors well now they're traitors again they've never stopped being traitors and there's no accountability for them so where are we headed here a yet another bullshit Lucy with the football with these effing Republicans as they continue to destroy this country. There's no accountability for them. Ever. And this is the problem. You cannot compromise with the evil. They compromised in the 1860s with the, with the, um, with the, the traitors welcoming them back into the fold. Then the compromise of, what was it, 1876? When was it? Am I wrong? That pulled, that, well, it was a contested election. Compromise. And at the time, actually, you know, the same thing, there were, um, the uh, well I, i'm just getting confused be not confused i'm get it's hard to explain you guys know because the republicans were the good guys at the time i mean the republicans were the progressives and the democrats were the conservatives and but yet they were going to send the alternate electors to the electoral college they weren't they did not um agree on who won the election and in this compromise the democrats got to not the democrats the republican became the president this was the compromise and the democrats um got they uh, they got the um they got the south free from um reconstruction they pulled all the troops out of the south and that was the end of Reconstruction. Meaning, that was, the, they basically set the spark for the next hundred years of terrorism in this country, of domestic terrorism, Jim Crow laws, separate but equal, all of the shit that we're still dealing with today because of compromising with evil. And here we go again. I am of the opinion that the Democratic Party, I mean, that the Republican Party is an irredeemable death cult that needs to be dissolved. It needs to go the way of the Whigs. And if there are any normal Republicans in this party, then they need to form their own party. They need to get the F out and leave the Mitch McConnells and the, all of the rest of the ghouls and the freaks and the haints and the taints and the nor- and then and then the Putin puppets, Matt Getz, Lindsey Graham, all of them, Lua Gohmert, the ones, um, Kevin McCarthy, the ones who just still can't come to grips with democracy. Enough. So Joe Biden, of, but he's not listening to me. He's listening to the likes of Pete Buttigieg. My God. You know, the wine, wine cave, Pete. The one who will say anything. I don't know. 
<sighs> who doesn't really I don't know does he really have a clue okay hold on here where is it god I hate republicans I'm looking at the New York Post. Biden calls Buttigieg's husband, Kirsten. He, he said it. I mean, this is how, what we're dealing with. Let me play this by, just to show you. Sir, a husband, is, his husband is an educator. Always, always a mark of good character is the way I look at it. And by the way, Jill and I have always enjoyed seeing Pete and Kirsten. Uh, Chastin, I should say, together on the trail. Chastin has become a close friend of Okay, so a... That's a big fucking to-do that... that calls for an article in the New York Post. Meanwhile, I mean, Giuliani sits wiping his ass with the Constitution, lying farting you know in uh, in the middle of a hearing uh, in the middle of a fake hearing really man they they don't say a goddamn peep about it but biden says uh kirsten chastin and it requires an article in the new york post it's that there you go that's your olive branch there's your republicans as if it matters. So he he flubbed. He called somebody the wrong name. Freaking Twitler called his wife Melanie. She has a son. I don't know. What's worse? He calls somebody uh, Kirsten Chastin. So what? I, this is where we live in this tedious ass stupid ass goddamn village of idiots run by fascists who don't get they just can't they cannot chance um democracy breaking out or the united states the the american people be getting unified in any form so, but the right, you see the conservatives, they have this meme going, They and they, they're going to beat it to death, that Biden, you know, is somehow cognitively declined. That's their, uh, that's their fake news. So, so what? He called somebody Kirsten Chastin. He called himself, he said, Kirsten, I met Kirsten Chastin. So what? Who fucking cares? Have they seen their standard bearer? Right? Here's somebody. I mean, we could go on. You want to play this game? Tit for tat. Who's cognitively declined? We're not all... I mean, we're, it's not just cognitive decline. It is spiritual sickness. That's what he has. That's Twitler. Spiritually sick sick in the soul to the core rotten to the core sick to the core and we're gonna we, we should all have uh, what are we gonna do uh, we should all be worried 
Because he called somebody's husband Kirsten Chaston. So fucking what? Does that matter? And look at this article. President-elect Joe Biden on Wednesday mangled his rollout of Pete Buttigieg as the first, quote-unquote, gay cabinet nominee. Why, why that's in first is in quotes. I don't know. Using a female name for Buttigieg's husband and omitting the mention of President Trump having named the first gay cabinet-level official. So what? Biden noticed his, his fondness for Pete Buttigieg's husband... He said Kirsten Chaston, I should say. Kirsten Chaston. So what? As he formally... It's, and they don't even say that he immediately corrected himself and said the name again. Right? At this whole article, it doesn't say that... He said Kirsten Chaston. As he formally named the South Bend, Indiana mayor a nominee, Biden also snubbed whatever, whatever. His husband is an educator, always, and always mar- a mark of good character. So what? I mean, that's why I I have a headache. And this, I, I mean, my soul aches for this country because my soul isn't sick. It might be sick of sharing the same air with these freaks that have absolutely no interest in democracy, and it's sick from having to try to explain constantly to these fascist bastards that they're not patriots. If they were, this would be not this is this wouldn't be an article. What does this matter? Really? And accept that they want to sow some kind of dissension. They already are, they don't have anything, anyone's best interest at heart. If they did, would this even be a story? He said, Kirsten Chaston. Why is this a story? There's so many other things to report, but you can't. Why don't you report the 300,000 dead? How about that? And the golf, you know, Twitler goes golfing and gives his buddies the best coronavirus treatment while they're super spreading all, all over the country. You know, we've lost decent human beings, but, you know, uh, Giuliani gets the best treatment. These super-spreading bastards. Decent people. Doctors, nurses on the front lines. Dead. But, oh, uh, Chris Christie, he's great. Because Twitler personally intervened to get him all of these experimental drugs that are limited in supply. There were 19 doctors surrounding Twitler in getting his socialized medicine at Walter Reed. Only the best in the United States of serfs and lords. This is why we're sick. Because we're all conspiring. I'm not conspiring, but they are. The media, the institutions of this country are conspiring to um, keep us 
in some kind of delusional state that we have that we don't have a con man that a con man didn't squat in the white house for four years and do nothing he did nothing but enrich himself and his friends while killing the american people and millions still voted for him why because we're a fucked up sick ass divisive country with a fucked up sick ass divisive media apparatus owned by the billionaires and then we get what we get uh, joe biden's gonna come in there and put some republicans in the cabinet i don't give a shit by the way it doesn't matter who's in the cabinet what do they stand for you know these republicans that are that if anybody has a clue they they get it that it's not um a drill here that they are actually an anti-democratic death cult i'm not the only one saying this who's this steve schmidt the one you know he's atoning he's he's responsible for he's partly no, not completely responsible but he, for where we are he is partly responsible for giving sarah palin a national platform that moron you know that's somebody if you if you really love this country and you're vetting a vice presidential nominee and then along the line you see that this woman has absolutely no business being anywhere in the in serious power i mean put her back up in alaska like put mayor pete back at in south bend but she's emotionally unstable she's an ignoramus a willfully ignorant sick mean person and that's what he said that she's mean like twitler and all the other republicans these fake ass christians who um derive joy somehow in in drinking liberal tears they think that that's a normal thing well steve schmidt is now um becoming a democrat or i don't know i guess you're a democrat when you say you are and then you register i suppose and um he's 100 percent correct he said there's only one pro-democracy party in this country right now and it's the democratic party well major party i should say it's true the other one is an authoritarian death cult but you know he actually here let me see if this is the right one ah hold on there's an ad playing i hate that political violence incited by the president of the united states that we saw that in the 1930s in Italy or Germany, we would recognize it. They would have been wearing black and brown uniforms. We're at a dangerous hour in this country. And what it means is, is that there's a coalition that now exists that didn't exist in the past, but it's a pro-democracy coalition. And it has people on the left, in the center, some on the right who believe still that the people in this country are sovereign that we're a nation of the people, by the people, for the people, 
and the people decide who our leaders are. The leaders don't decide how long they get to serve. We decide. And, and what I believe is the pro-democracy side of this coalition can never again lose a presidential election to the pro-autocracy side because we may not have another election after that one. I'm sorry they cut it off too soon because he actually went on saying that, if I remember correctly, that um, this was a failed coup. Yes, that's what we witnessed. Wait, I'm trying to... I don't know why this fucking thing keeps going out of focus. But this was a failed coup. Let's see here. He goes on, do not look at their signing onto that amicus brief as some kind type of legal action. It was not. It was a political declaration. And the political declaration was one in where they turn their backs on the tradition of democracy. We should understand what we're looking at. Right. Exactly. I don't think that, I don't know, maybe I can't say this without wondering if I'm wrong, but does Joe Biden realize what we're looking at? I don't know. I don't think Pete Buttigieg does. Because if you think, if that's what you're, if you know what you're looking at, do you behave like this? Do you welcome these vipers into your tent? Is that, it's a big tent? We have everybody we, that looks like America. We even have the traitors in here. How much... How many times do we have to make the same mistake in this country? It's about time we finish Reconstruction. Otherwise, the South, the conservatives, the, the, the monarchists, the economic royalists, they're going to win. They will finally win because they really have us by the throat. So, um, according to this article, Steve Schmidt described violence in Washington, D.C. during the weekend. Exactly. That's, that's their base. The ones who attacked a black church. Burning a Black Lives Matter sign. Because that, all that is way over their heads. They have no interest in, in a United States. Yes, fantastical political right-wing extremist in which eight police officers were injured and four others stabbed. The violence erupted in several locations in D.C. during a Stop the Steal, which is Stop the Steal. There's no steal. The steal that's happening is you fuckers. You goddamn incels who can't function in democracy or to have to, um, you're too devolved. Such bunch of cowards. You can't function in democracy. You can't walk outside without your M16 because you're a coward. I don't know. My granny used to walk around all the time without an M16. I don't. I'm. I'm very sad. She's not here anymore for the, for many reasons, of course. But also, maybe she could have given you a seminar in courage. She used to go to the store, ride the bus walk around no m16 i don't know how she did well she did it because she had courage not like you 
The pro-democracy side of the political debate can never again lose an election to the pro-autocracy side because there may not be an election after that. Exactly. That's what we're dealing with. And what does Joe Biden do? Let's bring the team of rivals. Let's bring the traitors into the cabinet. No, there's no consequence anymore. You see, it's this is the the pattern here. In the 1860s, the traitors rise up and kill half a million of the, our fellow Americans, and because they wanted to own human beings well they wanted the rich the rich to own human beings that's how those are the dum-dums of their those are the incels the proud boys of their day they're not um fighting for what were they fighting for um freedom states rights morons dummies pawns really who lost their lives, who gave their lives, so the rich can own other human beings. In the slave economy, that's what we had. But we've never finished Reconstruction. We've always allowed them to come right back into the fold. I I was trying to find this quote from one of the early days after the Civil War ended, and... I couldn't find it. I, but if I remember correctly, there I'm just paraphrasing. There was a senator who gave a speech. How offended he was that the Southerners who were allowed, they were just simply allowed back in. And this um, senator, I can't remember who it was. I remember whatever. I I read a million things, but he was saying. The blood is not even dry on my boots. And we've allowed these traitors back into the Senate. Back into the government, the very government that they rebelled against. These scums. So, we've been compromising with scums. That's the story of the American experience. And... Here we go again. How much longer are we going to take it? You know, Steve Schmidt, he, he's not a stupid man. When I heard him go on like that, saying we have to understand what we're dealing with. We have one pro-democracy major party, and the other one is an autocratic death cult. We can't, uh, if, this, uh, if this were the 30s, they'd be wearing black shirts and brown shirts. We would recognize them immediately for what they are, a fascist death, death cult. So we, does Joe Biden recognize that? I wonder. I, and then I think he can't be that stupid. Of course he has to recognize it, right? He must. But if that's the case, if he does recognize it, why does he invite these vipers into his cabinet they and it's not for the american people you know how you heal the american people you you stamp out the fascist death cult you stop the kiss up kick down um smash and grab of the one percent 
That's how you do it. You enact policies. <laughs> I say it all the time that leave no one behind. You, you promote the general welfare. Everybody in, nobody out. This is how you begin. Not by giving traitors a seat at the table. Again, we're here again because the traders in the 1800s couldn't finish the job. They just couldn't. They compromised. And who gets, who pays for those compromises? We do. The American people do. We have to live in a country awash with terrorists. Domestic effing terrorists. And you're going to give some Republicans a seat in your cabinet, and that's going to assuage the terrorists? These are terrorists who over to, who doesn't give a shit how many millions more votes Joe Biden got. Just like they didn't give a shit that Twitler received fewer votes in 2016. Or, or George Bush received fewer votes. Or, I mean, I can go on. How many um, um, freaking Republicans received the most? I think it was only Reagan in my lifetime that received the most votes. They constantly squeeze this country dry of every, everything decent they, it's like they take the American experience or whatever. They take Uncle Sam by the ankles and they shake him upside down and get as much money out of him as they can. That's their agenda. Democracy gets in the way of that. Uppity people get in the way of that. A unified people get in the way of that. Unionized, unified American people, people who, who want a country that promotes the general welfare over the welfare of the 1%. That's um, how you heal the country. We start looking at ourselves as Americans, not African Americans or Irish Americans or whatever. Yes, we're all from other places, but... We are Americans. So that's why we don't leave anybody behind. How hard is this? And in fact, I'm sick of it. I, I, we have to, this is, I know that nobody listens to me, but, you know, I call my representatives, my senators, I leave messages. I say, would you, I mean, listen to this, please. Stop freaking, um, dividing us we need to enact policies this is how you heal i mean i, I leave these quite these uh, messages you heal this country by in, uh, ensuring that we are in this together that's how you heal You're not by putting a traitor in the cabinet you you finally oh my god what am i saying Nobody listens to me. Everybody in, nobody out. That's it. How how hard is that? Well, it's, be, it's hard because we have a corrupt, bought and paid for political class that doesn't give a shit. 
they're doing good. You know what I mean? They're, they have, they've written themselves a very cushy deal. They have health care. They have pensions, retirement security. They get great lives. They're in there. They got a great gym. They got a great whatever sauna. They got a doctor on premises. They got it all. They don't write you these kinds of benefits, you know. Um, it's so, uh, it's, the platitudes are now really uh, turning into policy. Platitude is policy. Let's put a traitor in the cabinet. I'm sorry, you're not, not only are you not helping, you're hurting. You're going to put some traitors in the cabinet? That's what Obama did. He put some traitors in the cabinet himself. Remember? The team of rivals? Let's see. Oh, my God. Obama's team of rivals. Where is it? God help me. Thank you, Richard W., for your super chat. Oh, my God. Everybody's so... I mean... Everybody sucks. Why is that? Why is everybody so stupid? Not us. Them. Let me see. Oh, here we go. Putting three Republicans or cans in my cabinet is unprecedented, said Barack Obama. Oh, my God. This is from, well, this is a political fact check that they labeled true from February 10th in 2009. So far, the votes on a massive economic stimulus package have fallen starkly along partisan lines. What a surprise. The bill that passed the House didn't get a single Republican vote, and the version that passed the Senate got a grand total of three. During a news conference in February, in which President Obama made his case for the stimulus plan, you know, the stimulus plan when the Republicans left office with the, with the steaming pile of shit they left behind, where the American people were hemorrhaging jobs, were losing their homes, you know. We couldn't have any bipartisan cooperation from them. That was the point of the Republican Party. They like it when the American people are nice and desperate <clears throat> and losing their homes and on the street and have no money and are begging because then you don't ask questions. You, d you don't pester your betters. You take whatever scraps from, from the table and you're grateful. You say, thank you, my lord. Thank you, my lady. Oh, my God. Let's see. You know, when I made a series of overtures to the Republicans going over to meet with both Republican caucuses, you know, putting three Republicans in my cabinet, something that is unprecedented, making sure that they were invited here to the White House to talk about the economic recovery plan, all those were not designed simply to get some short-term votes, Obama said. They were designed to try to build up some trust over time. 
Oh my God. How many times do you have to, does somebody have to show you who they are before you believe them? How many times do I have to say Republicans have no interest in democracy? That's not what they're doing. They don't want to play the game. This isn't about making the trains run on time. Look at Twitler. He couldn't even do that. All they can do is make corpses. Make more... Put more money in the hands of a few. And make a lot of corpses. That's what Republicans do. A lot of premature corpses, you know what I mean? When when uh, some of those people who we've lost the over 300,000 dead, some of them voted for that fucking con man. Did they think, oh, great, my vote's going to get me dead. It's going to get me prematurely dead. Of course not. But how? when will Republicans ever take responsibility for themselves, for the, for the, uh, the economy, for the for the environment they create. When I put three Republicans in my cabinet, oh my God, let me see. Who are these three Republicans? In my, of course, um, you know, it's not a surprise that Joe Biden is picking all these Obama corporatists because that's the nature of life anyway. You know, it's you you pick your friends, you work with your friends. That's you you know people from your circle. That's who you say, "Oh, I know somebody." It's all networking. "Oh, I know a guy who knows a guy." Okay, hey, get him in here. Jesus Christ. Obama names third Republican to cabinet. Yep, this was from the World Socialist website. In 2009, Barack Obama deepened his extraordinary efforts at bipartisan collaboration with the Republican Party on Tuesday with the announcement of a New Hampshire Republican Judge, Judge, Senator Judd Gregg as his pick for Commerce Secretary. Greg's confirmation by the Senate, which is virtually assured, will bring the the bring to three the number of Republicans in Obama's cabinet, including the unprecedented retention of Bush's defense secretary, Robert Gates. Oh, isn't that great? I remember at the time how I was like, Oh yeah, that's always great. Let's keep this bullshit going. This this whole this bullshit zeitgeist that Republicans are good with the military. And they're good with commerce when they suck at both, okay? But, you know, Democrats are um, annoying because they, the Republicans really, they can't do it without them. They couldn't destroy this country without them, without their cheering them on and going and cleaning up their messes. And continuously uh, getting kicked in the ass. Like Lucy with the football. 
let's see. Besides naming Republicans to cabinet posts, Obama has elevated three recently retired four-star military officers to government positions and unparalleled representation in the military brass in a Democratic administration. You know, team of rivals. He has appointed General James Jones, retired Marine Commandant, why can't I talk, as his national security advisor. General Eric Shinseki, retired Army Chief of Staff, as his Secretary for Veterans Affairs. Because, you know, Republicans and the military, they're, such, they're so good at the military. They send them to die in wars based on lies. You know, they will never met a war. They, they didn't want to send somebody else's son and daughter to die in, that's for sure. Unreal. Retired Army Chief of Staff as Secretary for Veterans Affairs. Retired Admiral Dennis Blair. No, no, no Democrats in there. Effing ridiculous. I'm, I'm having flashbacks. The extent of Obama's bowing before the Republican right is highlighted by his agreement, as demanded by Greg, to have New Hampshire's Democratic governor appoint a Republican to assume a vacated seat. Oh, well, there you go. It's a team of rivals, don't you know? And here we are. Closer to the end of the grand experiment in liberal democracy. Thanks, Dems. You did it again. Oh, how's that team of rivals working? How'd the team of rivals work for Lincoln, I wonder? Anybody know the end of that story? How did Lincoln end up? Hmm. The Democrats are... Let me see here. Where where is it? By doing so, Obama, with the support... Well, this is uh, talking about the vacated seat. A Republican appointing um, a senator. Isn't that nice? Isn't that team of rivalry? By so doing, Obama, with the support of the Democratic leadership in Congress, is foregoing the chance to obtain the 60 Democratic seats in the Senate required to defeat Republican efforts to block legislation by means of filibuster. I'm having flashbacks. The Democrats already control 58 seats, and Democrat Al Franken is expected to survive legal challenges to his election victory in Minnesota bringing the Democratic majority to 59. As the New York Times reported on Tuesday, even when the possibility of putting a Democrat in Mr. Gregg's seat dimmed, Mr. Obama pressed ahead, telling his advisors, all right, get ready. Get ready, everybody. It was more important to build a bipartisan cabinet then increase his Senate majority. Isn't that on... Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Oh, yeah, now Obama's the saint that walks among us. He can do no wrong. How'd that work out for Obama and us, I wonder? Anybody know how it worked out when Obama 
made um, his team of rivals, saying it was more important. You know what? I wonder what happened in the Republican side of the aisle, you know, in the Republican caucuses, and they were like, guess what? Guess what, Mitch? Moscow Mitch? Guess what? You know what? You want to hear something? Uh, Paul Ryan, uh, you know, freaking uh, Ayn Rand's acolyte, who's dreamed as a young kegger sitting around a keg, as a young college student, dreamed of cutting people's Medicare and Social Security. This is what we're dealing with. And could you imagine what happened in the back in the Republican cloakroom saying, guess what, <laughs> Moscow Mitch? Oh, my God. You will not believe it. Obama just said that he's fine with um, the Republicans appointing a Republican senator, basically putting an end to the Democratic majority in the Senate because it's more important to build a bipartisan cabinet than have a Senate majority? (laughs) Can you believe the shit? And here we are. And here we freaking are, enduring the last days of the American Republic. Listening to this bullshit again and again and again and again. And that's why, I mean, doing the show, my show, this show, normal people's show, other normal people, you know, we're sitting here doing it in our friggin' living rooms and home studios while all over... You know, corporate media, they got millions of eyeballs listening to the bullshit. Talking about bipartisan this and bipartisan that. Everybody loves Obama now. I mean, whatever. I'd take Obama any day over Twitter, of course, but I'm remembering how, how frustrated and disappointed and infuriated I was during Obama's presidency at all the missed opportunities. All the stupidity. Are you stupid? Man, are you dumb? How stupid can you be? He really thought, that's the truth. That's what he thought. He thought he could bridge the divide. I believe he did. And it didn't, he didn't start with all the executive orders until into his second term when he finally realized these fuckers aren't going to work with me. He could put their policies, he could put their very bills in front of them. And they would, they would say no, 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 bitch, no. And we're lucky for that when it comes to social socialist security because Obama put socialist security on the table. You know, one of the sacred cows. I remember that. I'm even willing to put my party's sacred cows on the table. You fucker. Sacred cow? I, these Democrats are so goddamn dumb. 
Will they listen to me? Somebody? Will any of them listen? They probably think I'm a nut. I don't know. Am I a nut? Am I nuts? Excuse me. No, they think I'm nuts. Why? Because uh, I, I don't believe in corporatism. I'm not an idiot. I don't know. Because I know how to fix this country. Oh, they know too. They just... They're just making book. They're making some bank, so... Why is this camera so shitty? That's another question. Or is that my face? Hi. Hi, everyone. How's that? Better? Okay. Um, oh, wow. Thank you, Covert White Rabbit, for your super chat. The chat has declared you Queen of Queens and Queen of Devlin. <laughs> well, I consider myself the Queen of Devlin. All hail the Queen. I wish I was the Queen for a day. Just give me a day. That's all I need. Money out of politics. Universal health care. Universal higher education. What else? Living wages unionized um, workforce and what else what else oh education funded by taxes not not property taxes by the general fund that's a start there you go we're fixing it that's how you really fix it and it's also how you um you start healing these racist divisions and this is what we need to do when we call our representatives this is what i do this is probably why they think i'm nuts i don't know whatever i I mean what people think of you is none of your business okay you just keep doing it anyway carry on anyway and i call them and i give them advice not that they listen but i say stop um apologizing for being right and start framing progressive it's not just progressive these are patriotic initiatives it's not progressivism we're in the in the least upwardly mobile country oh the other thing i forgot tax the rich okay well just go back to eisenhower's tax rates okay that's socialist eisenhower for a start um so this is what i say to them tax the no no not just tax the rich um Tell I tell them to, uh, it's not progressivism, it's patriotism, and either we make this country work for all, or it's done. So that's why taxing the rich is about saving democracy, and it's, it's a, pa- so it is therefore a patriotic imperative, period. That's how you have to present it. And when you talk about um, universal health care, and you have these assholes talk, say, oh, you don't want 168 million people. To, you can't tell 168 million people they're going to lose their health care, which is another corporate lie, another bullshit corporate lie that says, I got mine, sucks to be you, and no wonder we're divided. That's why we're divided, because they've divided us. So we're supposed to be like, oh, okay. Don't worry, uh, I got mine, so fucking who cares if you don't have yours, die. Go on GoFundMe. And so 
we have to pro- promote it not just as a patriotic imperative, but as okay. Let me figure this out. We have to push it, push the reality that the only reason we are we don't have universal health care in this country is because of racism. Period. That's why we don't have universal health care. That's why we don't have edu- universal education funded out of the general fund and not property taxes. The whole property taxes funding education is a racist policy. Same thing with universal health care. It's always about racism and keeping us divided. So if you are not for universal health care, you are a fucking racist. Boom. And that's how you have to start holding these filthy corporate Democrats' feet to the fire. Okay? It's the truth. Stop holding on to these racist-ass policies. God. God. Where am I? Who am I? What am I? What am I doing? What's happening? Oh, my God. It's so annoying stop i mean really get pete Buttigieg in here can i get him for a minute i'll give him a a quick education is he for real with this shit with this medicare for all who want it shut the fuck up there's a lot of cursing happening i know what time is it? Holy moly. These shows go by so quickly. Don't they? But we're not done yet. We've only just begun. I gotta get my shit together. Can you believe it's almost the end of the year? My birthday is December 27th. Put a pin in that. Perfect opportunity to become a patron at patreon.com slash taradevlin or wait, I guess you can wait. I don't know. Don't wait. We need a lot of support. Share the show with your friends. I'm exhausted. Can we get some viewers up in this bitch? I mean, we have each other, but we need to really spread the word. So we can have a daily show um, at a set time. And enough is enough. So we can fix this goddamn country. So I, this sh- this show, not just me, the what we're talking about gets some traction. It's not that, I mean, doesn't this make sense? It's common sense. It's all about framing. Somewhere along the line, the Republicans, they redefined the American dream. We have to take it back, just like we're taking back the mantle of patriotism. This is about patriotism. We're capable of having a free democratic society. What we're living in right now is not that. Not at all. Speaking of, this is a good way to get in to the next story that I wanted to talk about. Thank you, Jim, for your super chat for the sweary tip jar. Thank you all. But we need about 
we need about we need a lot of lot more patrons. We're we're bleeding patrons, and we need oh I don't know what we need. God help me. Maybe I don't know. God help me. Maybe one day I'll wake up and there'll be a lot of patrons or that's what I'm hoping all right you know what annoyed the effing living last nerve oh my god whatever oh god I can't even say here's what drives me insane okay you know it's not just that it happens I'm sorry I'm just I'm standing this is a standing desk and my, I have a bad knee. <laughs> so, I need to stand because sitting was bothering me and now standing is bothering you know, It's just like you can't win. I'm just not getting as much exercise being trapped in the pandemic. I need to get out more, but now I can't. It's a blizzard. I need a lot of things. God. Scoop Biden. I, before we move on, I just wanted to read this now. It just came in front of me. Biden eyes last minute Republican pick. Shut the fuck up. Biden's team is debating the political upside of an across the aisle pick. And it's still very possible the president-elect will settle on an all-democratic candidate. But according to people familiar with the matter... For commerce, he also could select a mostly a political CEO like Xerox CEO Ursula Burns as a neutral way to reach out to the business community because we haven't reached out and given them a reach around enough. There's not enough reaching out to the business community happening, the big business community. They don't get enough. You know, it's not enough that the American people are living check to check. Why don't you put somebody on in your cabinet that's um, an actual labor leader? Somebody who's not just some corporate lickspittle. Oh, this country is so fucked. Why it matters. Oh, the Commerce Secretary is considered the administration's ambassador to the business world. In a in a country where businesses don't pay any taxes, while the American people are stuck on breadlines. Democratic and progressive criticism of picking a Republican centers on the changing nature of the GOP. The changing nature. Sort of like uh, some kind of, I don't know, some kind of horror movie which has fully embraced President Trump even during his election challenges. Some possible Republican picks like Whitman, the former Hewitt Packard CEO are considered rhinos or traitors to the Republican base. She also endorsed Biden. Aside from the short-term favorable media coverage, some Biden confidants are unconvinced. There's long-term benefit from selecting a Republican. Well, how about somebody slap that bitch across the face and say, wake up, President Obama did the same thing. How'd that work out? Here we are. 
They're still unable to call President Obama, President Obama. They call him everything but a, a, a mother's son. Oh, my God. It makes me sick. When do the, the Republicans do the same? Do they ever talk about how, how they have to reach across the aisle and how bipartisan they are? No. So here, something happened today. And the reason it annoys me is also not just that it happened, not just that it happened, but the media coverage concerning it goes to show you just how screwed up this country is. And where the heck is the article? The guy, uh, okay, um, Jeff Bezos, you know, soon, the soon to be. Um, the first trillionaire? Let me see. His wife or ex-wife. Bezos, billionaire. Blah, 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 blah. Mackenzie Scott. Jeff Bezos's ex-wife donated more than $4 billion to charities over the last four months. Well, isn't that great, everyone? Good for her. And good for us. What a Nobel oblige. Nobel, but is that how you pronounce it? Nobel oblige. Isn't that wonderful? Well, here's my opinion. Um, that's a, another example how broken the system is. Not only do we have billionaires, which shouldn't exist. There should be no such thing as a billionaire because guess what, everyone? We are finite creatures. We're sharing this blip of time together and there is no reason why one fucking person needs so many billions that they can donate four of them over four months. How many billions do you need? To have a great life. Guess what? You probably have a pretty damn good life with a million. Oh no. All right. Ten million. There's no reason that we, ha that we have billionaires. There's no reason for billionaires. Except that we're broken. They are a symptom of the broken system. Especially when we, we live in a country that leaves millions behind. With nothing on the verge of losing their homes, people on bread lines, in the middle of a pandemic. We're supposed to be in this together, but, oh, thank you, milady. Thank you for your billions. If this was a functioning country, that wouldn't even be a thing. We wouldn't have to beg any billionaires for a trickle. And then the, the fawning corporate media just licks them from head to toe. Uh, they salving, salve. Uh, oh, so thank you, milady. Isn't that wonderful? So generous. Cause oh well, you know um the reason we that is a a broken ass system is that where this thing that we're doing this grand experiment in liberal democracy is supposed to be the antidote to that, an antidote to that system where we live and die by the good graces of our betters this pisses me off because that's the way the corporate media that's the way the media should frame it why one 
bitch. Well, oh, one nice bitch. Has $4 billion to give away? Well, oh, good. Aren't we uh, blessed? Bless our benevolent, gracious, sovereign lord. We are truly fortunate to have such an amiable noble who's so graced by noblesse bloblige. I know I can't talk. That they bequeath some of their fulsome bounty that, uh, um, we the lowly peasants. I pray they reign over us. Or, I pray they reign o'er us many an age. Because goodness knows the manners of the cometh heirs may not bend so gently towards the peasants. You son of a bitch. You, you get it? Oh, good thing, um, Mackenzie Scott. Isn't she a wonderful person? Her husband, her ex-husband... She deserves $4 billion because her ex-husband came up with a bookstore online. And then all of the government subsidies and all of the government handouts, especially the fact that they get to live in the civilization, ride our socialist roads, use our socialist infrastructure, use our socialist courts, and our educated workforce that... By, you know, without paying any taxes. They don't pay a goddamn cent in taxes. So, oh, thank you, Mackenzie. Good thing you're feeling generous. It's not just that. Good for her. Okay, she she donated. Wonderful. Why is the media fawning all over her in that way? Why don't they say this is fucked up? Why does one bitch have four trillion, I mean, four billion to donate? Um, and then we should be like, uh-uh. This ain't flying. Why does, she, why does one bitch, one basic bitch have four trillion, I mean, billion, excuse me, to donate? Isn't that a little bit much when we got... We, we got millions without health care. Uneducated who can't get a break. We have a student debt bomb ready to go off. We have 80% of our fellow Americans living check to check. And now we got bread lines. And one in six Americans are food insecure. One in six. But one bitch. She she gave us some money. Oh fucking thank you, my lady. Guess what? That four billion that could be that could be put to some good use. Oh well, government will steal your money. That's not freedom, and no, bitch. That's called democracy. It's not freedom. It's their money. They live in this civilization, don't they? They live under the rules. The monetary system is a game that we create the rules for. And this, this thing, this government, birthed from the liberal age of enlightenment, 
to promote the general welfare over the welfare of the 1%, if it were functioning, we wouldn't have um, to beg our betters for a trickle. God. And th there you go. Nobody reports this, though. Nobody's... I've, I haven't seen one story saying, this is effed up, people, and we got to do something about this. While that's very generous of her, it's also a symptom why we're broke. Look at this lady. And look at her, him, I mean. That's who you want uh, to beg for a trickle? Those, them two. They're supposed to be, uh, we, we live or die under the graces of these two. Or I thought that so many fought, bled, and died to entrust to us a constitutionally limited democratic republic that promoted the general welfare. And we have progressive taxation, and we add a t at one time high marginal tax rates and estate taxes, so we don't have an intergenerational aristocracy that we have to beg for a trickle. That's the kind of system the founders rebelled against. That's the system that had Western civilization under its thumb for thousands of years. And here we are again. The things don't change. Disgusting. Look at them. Look at that face. Oh, thank you, my lord. You smug bastards. Am I wrong here? This makes me sick. It's it's a disgrace. But you won't hear this on the corporate media. That's for sure. Here. Here's some. Open this damn website. Tracking subsidies, promoting accountability. Let's see. Here's all the subsidies awarded to Amazon. Last updated, updated in December. December 2020. Hey, here, here we are. This website tallies state and local economic development subsidies deals given to Amazon for its warehouses, data centers, film productions, and its subsidies such as Whole Foods, Zappos, and Audible for each subsidized product project. We include year-awarded state and city and county, annual subsidy, and the type of facility or estimated subsidy. Since we begin collecting the subsidies the company has received, we have encountered greater secrecy surrounding the packages awarded to Amazon. This sometimes makes calculating costs difficult. Secret project names, non-disclosure agreements, and a reluctance by public officials to fully disclose costs, even after a deal has been awarded, suggests Amazon and public officials know that these deals have become controversial. Here we go. Um, Illinois subsidy, $322 million. 
a 12-year local property tax abatement. All these, Illinois, Virginia, Suffolk County, 2 million in New York, 250,000 grant in Virginia, 500,000 grant. You fuckers. And, um, you know, why don't you trickle some of that shit onto your employees? Pay them a, a nice living wage with all kinds of benefits and retirement security. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Then maybe it would make sense. Colorado, Georgia, New York, everywhere. See, this is what we, the people, give to Amazon. And, and all of it is like 14 million, 12 million, 45 million, 2 million, 93 million. Unreal. Look at this. It keeps going. Jesus. Well, well, no wonder. It's good to be the king, right? It's good to be a duke, a lord, a baron. Look at this. From Forbes. Wait, something's on my ear. It's annoying me. Mackenzie Scott, the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, announced Tuesday that she's donated more than $4.1 billion over the past four months to nearly 400 organizations to help fulfill the basic needs for many Americans struggling in the pandemic. Well, thank you, m'lady. But that ain't the way it's supposed to work. And she won't know that. She's, she's clueless. You shouldn't exist, lady. Oh, you should exist, but you shouldn't be a billionaire. We shouldn't be, oh, help us. Maybe Mackenzie uh, Bezos, formerly known as Bezos, can tell us, to, can trickle on us. Milady, help us. Milady. Help us, milady. Maybe my, maybe my lord. My, my, my lord, my lady, my lord. I'm going to get, I have to get used to saying, my lady, my lord, my lady, my lord. My sovereign lord, your grace, your grace. That's what you got to say. Yes, your grace. Yes, your grace. This pandemic has been a wrecking ball in the lives of Americans already struggling. Scott writes, yeah, I wonder why they're struggling. I'll wait. Economic losses and health outcomes alike have been worse for women, people of color, and for people living in poverty. I wonder why. Why do we have people living in poverty in this country when we, we have one bitch running around with four trillion mad money? I mean, four billion? Why keep saying trillion? I don't know. She's got four billion in mad money. 
She can just go, hey, bitch, my, 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 <laughs> a billion here. Look under your seat. Oh, my God. It's been worse for women, people of color. Well, why don't you pay a living fucking wage in your warehouses instead of $15 an hour? I know that they tout. Amazon's like, we don't wait. We didn't wait for local government to enact $15 an hour. We made it $15. Well, that's because they knew which way the wind was blowing. But why don't you raise your salaries of your workers? You know, take a couple of those billions, spread it around. You have so many billions, you don't know what the fuck to do with it, don't you? This is the problem. Oh, you're just envious. No. I'm in fear of this, uh, of the country. I'm in fear of living in an intergenerational aristocracy and monarchy with the, that's why um, FDR called them economic royalists. What do you think that is? You don't hear any of the corporate media, though, going on about the economic royalists. What is that? But that is an economic royalist. She's, Oh, okay, you care. We have so many people living in poverty. There you go. I wonder why. And she should know if she had a clue. She should say, this is fucked up. I shouldn't be a billionaire. This is bullshit. Do something, Mitch McConnell. Do something, Chuck Schumer. Nancy Pelosi, stop with the bullshit, um, team of rivals crap, and start taxing the rich. So I don't have to trickle this shit on people. This is ridiculous. This is not America. It's not supposed to be this way. This is the kind of system the founders rebelled against. But this is the system. You know, Republicans would be like, oh, good for her. Good. See how wonderful it is to have rich people who lord over us in an intergenerational aristocracy fashion. Isn't it great? When you have a problem, you beg a billionaire. You just go beg your lord, your sovereign lord. And you say, my lord, th thank you, my lord. Maybe next time you might have somebody like Nero. But this time you got um, Mackenzie Scott. So thank you. We're so lucky. We peons are so lucky to have someone with such benevolence. My lady, thank you, my lady. You're, so, you're too generous, my lady. Even though the money that I've paid into my taxes for years and years and years got funneled into your effing pocket to a degree that you didn't even know what to do with it. You wouldn't spend it in a zillion lifetimes, so... Oh, God. Oh. In a post on Medium, Scott, a novelist, said she and her team had vetted hundreds of organizations in recent months and ultimately donated... $4.15 billion to 384 groups. Why is she telling us about this either? Just do it. She's like, um, psst, psst. Corporate media. 
Anybody home? No? You're on Twitler's uh, Twitter feed? Um, well, psst, psst, look over here. I got, a, I got a feel-good story about a rich bitch. Me. Psst, psst. That'll make all of this animosity towards the rich just disappear. All of this. Nobody will ever question ever again living check to check. Who needs to not live check to check when you have such benevolent sovereign lords and ladies who will so who will know what to do with those billions that you funnel into her pocket? Oh my God! See, she knows what to do with it. That's actually what during the first Gilded Age. That's what um, Andrew Carnegie said. You know, Carnegie was such a philanthropist, and they look at they look back on him and they say, because he said something about um, if you die with your millions or whatever, you're you're a terrible person. I don't remember whatever, but so he gave a lot away and he created foundations and places, you know, like Carnegie Hall and all kinds of shit with his name on it and they said and he but he he said he really believed this that he knew better you say because he was just better he was better what the hell just happened my ac just turned off and why i hope hope i don't know that scares me. Um, hope, so. hope I didn't break it. But that's what Andrew Carnegie, he believed. And that's what they believe. That's what Republicans believe. That's what clearly corporate Democrats believe. And they want you to believe. The media wants, because the media is run by these billionaires, and they want you to believe that this is America. That's the way it's supposed to be. Isn't it wonderful that Mackenzie Scott trickled some billions on us? That's great. You see, nothing to see here. Everything's working as planned. That's freedom. Some people are just billionaires. Others, even though it's a lot of others, are living check to check. And, you know... Uh, that's just the way it is. That's freedom. Even though what it is, is it's a broken-ass government. That's what that is. And the American people used to understand this, especially after the first Gilded Age. They understood that we needed progressive taxation and high marginal tax rates on the 1%. And state taxes to ensure that we didn't have an aristocracy in America because that's not what this thing is. There were there there's other places where you can do that thing. Be that thing. Get the F out though. That's not this thing. Get out. Go to Russia. Be an oligarch in Russia. Go to Saudi Arabia. There are places you can go, but that's not supposed to be this. You see. Jesus. 
Why is my... I hate that. What happened? Maybe. I don't know. That's all I need. Another expense. All right. I'm so tired of everything. Why? I, I don't know. Does it matter? Are we making a difference? I don't know. Let's see. You guys. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go lay down. My leg is hurting me. Thank you, Garfield, for your super chat. Thank you, Traverse J, for your super chat. Thank you, Jim, for your super chat. And Covert White Rabbit. And Richard W. And Alex E. And Jim, again. Let's see. I'm going to try to do a show tomorrow. What do you think about that? We got more shit to talk about. I mean, I have more stuff here on the list, but I figure I'm being, I don't know, I'm tired. I need to put my leg up in the air. You know what it is? I have screws in my knee and it hurts sometimes. I haven't been exercising. I feel like shit, basically. I feel like I'm breaking down. My whole body's breaking down. I have more to talk about, too. I really wish... really wish we had a daily show. Maybe. So tomorrow, I hope to talk about more fake-ass Democrats and filthy fascist Republicans. And what are we going to do about it? All right. Yeah. My, like... It hurts and then my ac went out it's kind of annoying me i have to see what's going on guys thank you become a patron at patreon.com i will try to do a show tomorrow if somebody in the chat says do a show jd thank you for your super chat under the wire can we have some q for dessert please what's q what does that mean Thanks. Good night. Do it. Doth. Do it. Doth says do it. Yeah, yeah. Does it matter? Are we making a difference? Good night, Patricia. How's Comet doing, Patricia? Do a show, Garfield said. Yeah, I got to do a show because we need more shows. We have to reach more people. We got to get the word out about how do we fix this shit. We do. We definitely do. You guys, remember we also have a Discord page. We can stay in touch in between shows and see pictures of Comet and Kaya. Those are Patricia's cute little cats and dogs. And everybody's cats and dogs. I like that. I like that. Where is Ray and Francis? And Tara Jr. Jr. They were here. Now they're gone. They're in the other room, probably. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Comet is starting to fit in. It fit in well, Tara. Good. I'm sure she's cute. She looks like Ray. They're adorable. Adorable. All right, guys. I gotta go lay down. I wish Ray was here, though. Ray. Ray, Ray. 
It's Terry Jr. Jr. Come here, boo-boo. Come on, honey. There you go. There you go. Say goodnight, everybody. <laughs> this is Tara Jr. Ray is... He's in the other room. Well, oh, no, no. He's hes laying down in his bed. Where is Ray? Oh, you don't like that? I'm sorry. All right, baby. Baby. What's wrong with you, Bubba? Let's see. Look at Tara Jr. Jr., everybody. He's a good boy. He is good. This is my baby. Do you hear him purring? Here, purr. Purr for the microphone. Can you hear him? No. I'm sorry. He doesn't like being handled like this. He's just a baby. What does he know? All right, friends. Be good and, like I say, you know the truth. It is true. We have so much to do. Being uh, a fan, a friend of Tara Buster is like having a second job. You got to tell your friends. You got to give the show a good review. You got to be a patron. You got to be a Rockfin subscriber. You got to be a lot of things. You got to share. You got to share the good news about the progressive policies that not only built the middle class, but will save this country yet again from the fascist greedy bastards. So remember to spread the news. Here's Ray. Here is Ray. Okay. All right. Ray, come here, boo-boo. There he goes. Look, I'm wearing. I'm wearing. Yes, I'm wearing pajamas. This is not pajamas. These are my hanging out pants. Look at Ray. Uh oh. <laughs> Tara Jr. Jr. He doesn't know how to feel about Ray. Look at Ray. Be nice. Ray is good. Ray is good, Tara Jr. See? It's like a love-hate relationship. Look at him. Ray is good. <laughs> Ray is good. He doesn't care. He takes it in stride. You are good. Ray is good. All right. That's enough. <laughs> yes, that's the Antifa cat and the Black Lives Matter cat. Yeah. <laughs> you were a bit, Garfield says, I was beginning to think Ray was a fiction of Tara's imagination. No, he's here. All right, guys, you are, you keep, you're keeping me sane. So I probably have to see you tomorrow. In the meantime, remember to give the show a good review on iTunes, become a patron, all that other stuff. Tell your friends about the show. It's a lot of work, I know. Trust me. And in the meantime, we will rest easy, a rest knowing that we are on the right side of history. We are. And we are on the right side of decency, dignity, and democracy. 
and we will win. We stick together. We win. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you so much. And I'll hopefully I'll see you tomorrow night.